This NBA season, make every three-pointer, alley-oop, and buzzer beater even more exciting with FanDuel. You can bet on everything from first baskets and number of dunks to which player will drain the most threes. Or stack your bets with the same-game parlay for a shot to win even bigger. It's quick, easy, and you'll get your winnings fast. So download the app today and see why we're North America's number one sportsbook. Make every moment more with FanDuel. 19 plus and physically located in Ontario. Gambling problem? Call 1-866-531-2600 or visit connectsontario.ca. Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G. Because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from RootMetric's second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement. You're listening to Talking Raptors on Raptors Republic. 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 Talking little raptors on Raptors Republic. Welcome to episode 15 of season 5 of Talking Raptors. Barry Taylor here with Nick Reynoldson. How's it going? It's going. It's going great. We do it, we're doing it back to back. Back to back credible episodes. Last week on the podcast, we had Dan Gladman, Danny, Danny G. G, and now Danny G, my main guy. There he is once again, bringing the credibility. That voice you hear is the one and only Jack Armstrong. Jack, thanks for taking the time to chat. Barry, Nick, uh, honored to be with you guys, and uh, thanks for having me. And uh, I'm thrilled to hang out and chat. Whatever you want to talk about, Raptors, NBA, life, whatever you feel like talking <laughs> yes. about, we'll knock it around. Let's do it. Six from a six. First things first, we'll start off and ask you about this year's squad. Feels a little bit different this year. Of course, they've got the depth. In, in you know on the bench what is your gut feeling now that we're a little over the midway point of the season on on this team compared to to past Raptor squads Barry I think the thing that jumps out at me the most about this team is the sum is more important than the parts uh, it's it's the it's it's a team in every sense of the word I mean they play together they like each other uh, there's a, a brotherhood there's a, a family atmosphere uh, there's a connected, there's a connected way about what they do and how they play that I haven't witnessed in my 20 years with the Raptors at this level. I've witnessed it before, but not to this level. Uh, is this the most talented Raptor team that they've ever had? Absolutely not. Wow. Oh, absolutely not. I mean, my first year we had Vince Carter and Tracy McGrady. Mm-hmm. They're Hall of Famers. Yeah. Um, you know, we had uh, Charles Oakley, Kevin Willis, you know, Del Curry, Muggsy Bogues, uh, you know, guy uh, Doug Christie. We had a uh, Keon Clark. I mean, we had a lot of really talented guys my first few years with the Raptors um, that had outstanding professional careers. Uh, Antonio Davis. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, you know, guys who had outstanding professional careers and two guys that will end up in the Hall – you know, Tracy's already in the Hall of Fame and Vince will end up there. So this team is far from the talent – you know, as talented as that team. But that team wasn't as connected. 
that team was kind of their best two players were the youngest guys, and they were still trying to figure everything out. And, uh, but I, I think by far this is the most connected, together team. And now whether they're talented enough to win the whole thing, uh, only time will tell. But in my opinion, um, I, I think it's a fun group to be around, and that's their strength. Their strength is in numbers. Uh, yeah, they have Kyle Lowry and DeMar DeRozan, who are outstanding players and all-stars. Yet at the same time, I think they would be the first to tell you that what makes this team great is that on every night, there's a different star. There's a different guy to pick them up. There's a different story. And to me, I think uh, you got to roll with that. What do you think happens? So we're basically just talking about chemistry of this team is phenomenal, right? The team chemistry. What happens in the playoffs when rotations shrink? Does that, does that kind of squash our bench a little bit? Nick, uh, I, I, I'm not a fan of shrinking the rotation with this group. I, in most playoff instances, I would say yes. Mm-hmm. I, I go back to the point I made earlier. This team is in the most talented Raptors team I've been around. Uh, I think if they try to shrink the rotation too much, I mean, you could. Can you tweak it? Yeah, but I, I think you got to roll. I think you got to roll the ten guys out that you literally have been rolling out, and sometimes eleven uh, that you've been rolling out, right? Uh, because your strength is your numbers. You don't know who that guy is going to be that night, and sometimes that's good, sometimes that's bad. Right. But nonetheless, that's who you are after fifty-seven games, unless something dramatically changes. That's who they are. I think you got to go into every game saying, hey, I'm going to stick to my formula. And then as the game goes on, if you have to tweak a little based upon matchups or who has a hot hand or who isn't playing well and add minutes, reduce minutes based upon that, then I think you do that. But I think we've seen that during the season that as the, as the game evolves – uh, they roll with the guys who are playing well, and mm-hmm. the guys that night that aren't going that well, they reduce their minutes right. or, or, or sit them down totally. The challenge in the playoffs is this. Uh, you know, And LeBron James plays a ton of minutes to begin with, uh, or a John Wall or someone like that, whatever. Uh, uh, you know, the Greek freak or a Kevin Love or, a, uh, you know, you know, we, we can go on and on. Thank you. Uh, we go, can go on and on. Uh, Kyrie Irving, guys like that, and Al Horford. But when you play in the playoffs, that guy now goes from playing 38 minutes to 44. And in some cases, if I'm Ty Lu, I would never allow you know LeBron James to come out of the game if I could. Right. Or I'd play him 45, 46 minutes. Because you have a day off in between, timeouts are a little longer, and you got to win the games. Yeah. The challenge is when you add those extra seven minutes to Kyrie or a Kevin Love or a you know, Greek freak or uh, whoever they are, Joel Embiid or whatever, now you're asking your secondary players on a more regular basis to match up and counteract their talents. Right. And that is when the rubber hits the road and you truly find out whether you can continue to achieve what you're achieving. On the other hand, 
I think if you try to match your talent to their talent, whoever they might be, that could be a big mistake too. Right. Because I don't know if the Raptors are the most talented team in the East. Mm-hmm. I don't think they are. But that doesn't mean they can't be the best team. Right. And this is a team sport. Now, matchups matter. Talent matters. I get all that. But the way the formula is with this group, they got to roll as close to the line of what their script has been in order to really achieve it. Uh, you In a, a game, a couple games before the All-Star break, you kind of compared this Raptors squad to the Chauncey Billups Pistons, which I think is a great comparison. Do you, because, you know, it doesn't have the superstar necessarily led. It is more of a team complete makeup. Do you think a team like the the Billups Pistons or this Raptor team can compete for a, a championship? Maybe not necessarily this year, but is that sort of is that even a possibility in this day and age of the I, I would, super teams? Well, I would think that when you look at the Houston Rockets, I think there's a similarity there as well to that. Now, it would be a great debate if we had to uh, vote on who's going to get in the Hall of Fame between the top two guys on each team, James Harden, Chris Paul, DeMar DeRozan, Kyle Lowry, one through four, who would be the guys that get in the Hall of Fame first if, if they were lucky enough to get in? Right. I would probably argue that Houston has the guys that might be one and two. Yeah. And Toronto has the guys that are three and four. Mm-hmm. The difference is Houston's got to get through Golden State, right. who I think is the better team than Cleveland or Boston or Washington or whoever. So with that being said, I think in the Eastern Conference, your chance to get to the final is you got to win your conference. Yeah. You don't have to beat the Warriors to get to the finals right. like Houston does. you got to beat the teams I mentioned and others. Uh, so to me, I, I think the Detroit Pistons analogy, if the Raptors are ever going to win the East and if they're ever going to get to the NBA Finals, that's the kind of team they have to be based upon what I'm seeing from this team right now. Yeah. The sum has to be more important than the parts. They have to be on task, on target in terms of, of achieving the types of goals they set out to achieve on a daily basis. And so far, 57 games in, their habits have been very good, and they've done a great job sticking to those habits and uh, growing and maturing. Uh, And I do think there'll be some bumps in the road early in the playoff series because I do think that for this team, I think it is important if you can get a one seed. I don't think the margin of error is going to be much in the East playoffs this year. If you yeah. the season ends today, you're playing the Miami Heat in the first round of the playoffs. You look at the two games the Raptors have played against Rough them games. this year. Yeah. They've come down to the last play of the game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's an incredibly difficult series in a first round. And people talk about, well, it's a different level. Well, I don't know in those two games if it can be any more intense than it was in the two games that they played. Yeah. So to me... Uh, I think there'll be a few growing pains here and there for maybe some of your young players. But on the other hand, just like we saw in the beginning of this season, these kids are good enough and smart enough and disciplined enough and have good enough winning habits that they'll figure it out and they'll get better as they go along. So I feel like 
Uh, I'm not worried about uh, Fred Van Vliet and DeLon Wright and Jakob Pertl and Pascal Siakam and OG Ananobi and Norman Powell. I think they're good young men with great character that work at it. They show up to the gym prepared every day to play. And uh, they'll have volatility like every young player in their game. Mm -hmm. But eventually they'll figure it out. And because they're good enough players and they and they're 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 committed to playing the game right, that they'll they'll find their level and they'll be fine. Nice. We've heard you bring it up on the broadcast, and it's sort of been a reoccurring theme this year, I think, maybe because... So you're the one guy that listens to the broadcast. Back. <laughs> yeah, I'm the guy. You're I'm, the one guy. I'm the rating, yeah. <laughs> I fell on my diary, just like <laughs> right on time. The team, uh, for whatever reason, just doesn't get rec- the recognition in the U.S., and that's obviously because of ratings and advertising revenue, and we all understand that, but when you... We asked Danny G this on the last podcast, but when you're traveling arena to arena and you're you know, speaking with your, your peers with, from the other teams, did they are they aware of how good the Raptors are? Like, is there... Uh, I think it's gotten better and better. I think yeah. it... Uh, I think if you don't have NBA League Pass, right. then shame on you, because then you don't even know who we are. Yeah. Because we... Uh, you know, here we are. Uh, today is Friday, February 23rd, as we do this podcast. And this is game 58 for the Raptors tonight. And they've been on United States national TV a grand total of one time. Right. So to me, uh, unless you have league pass and you can watch all 30 teams, you really don't know who we are. And uh, to me, I think uh, in some ways it's good because you're kind of hiding out under the radar. But the coaches and the players in the league know who you are. and, And we're in their high beams. They know. Uh, so to me, I think uh, as a market, you know, Tor- the thing that drives me crazy is Toronto's the third largest market in the NBA. Uh, it's a national team, yeah. unlike the other 29 teams in the league. And, you know, when you compare our television ratings to the uh, ratings of the other 29 teams, we're killing it. And if you compare even our TV ratings in the GTA compared to what the Knicks or Nets get in the New York metro area, uh, we're not only comparable, we're better. Or in L.A. or what the Lakers are. The problem is we get compared as a product to the to hockey. Right. We're never going to outdraw hockey. Yeah. Hockey's the number one sport in Canada. I totally get that. But if you compare Toronto to the other 29 markets in the league, uh, I think this is a healthy, vibrant, growing and incredibly passionate and young, diverse uh, demographic that is uh, is booming. And I don't think that story gets told enough either. Uh, some of that is on the Raptors themselves and MLSC to do a better job getting that message out and educating people on that because I think we're in the recruitment business and retention business in terms of convincing uh, athletes to come play here, convincing athletes to stay here. And I think this is an incredible situation. I think it's a sleeping giant. And I think it's uh, it's got great ownership, terrific arena, a committed ownership, incredible fan base. Um, I think it's one of the great markets in the NBA. And I don't think, and maybe, and again, maybe I'm, I'm, I'm not being an ugly American here. I'm being myself. 
I think sometimes Canadians don't stick their chest out enough and say, hey, screw you. We're going to come and kick your tail. Right. You know, it's always apologizing. Yeah, right. and, <laughs> That's true. And, uh, you know, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Yeah. You know, and, yeah. and uh, excuse me, excuse me. <laughs> Instead of saying, no, we're the big boys on a block and we're going to come kick your ass. Right. Yeah. You know, and, and I think that I'd like to see a little bit more of that swagger. Right. Uh, and that cockiness. And not in a not in a rude way, and not in a disrespectful way, but in a confident way. Yeah. And I do think that this team has that, that this team has that confidence, and that chip on its shoulder, that um, they're you know they come to play on a regular basis. Um, so you know, and, and again, I think this market is uh, it's a hidden gem. I, I tell people, and again, I'm an American who's been very fortunate enough to work here for the last 20 years, and I'm blessed to be here, and I'm happy to be here, and I think this is one of the great jobs in the NBA, and I think this is one of the great markets in the NBA, and I don't think pe- enough people realize it, and I will, I will go to my deathbed saying that. I, I think it's, it's people just don't realize how great a situation this is. Wow. You know, and I travel around the league. And I used to be a college basketball coach for a long time. I know the intricacies of basketball and and all the markets. And I've been in the NBA for 20 years, and I've been to all these markets. This is an amazing market. And it's one of the great markets. I can't say that enough. That's great. That's great. And then to to that, though, as you mentioned, you get get to travel. You get to go around the league. Aside from the the Raptors and the ACC, do you have a favorite – arena to work at or a city well in a re- like really cool arena a nice arena is uh the field house in indiana uh, you okay. know where the paces play that's a great basketball facility it almost looks like it has like a college feel like it's yeah. like right on top yes it's thing. great utah has a uh utah's uh the way it's built the crowd is on you a little bit like when they're good that's a really tough place to play uh, Golden State, even when they were bad, that was a great place to play. I yeah. mean, Oracle Arena has always, the fan base there in the Bay Area has always been passionate. Uh, it's always, uh, the fans in Portland are really good. Oh, nice. Uh, that's a great place. Obviously, I'm a New Yorker. Anytime you, you have an opportunity to play in Madison Square Garden, it's a thrill. I grew up in Brooklyn, you know, a few miles from the Garden, and uh, you know, having a team in Brooklyn now is a really neat thing. Um, but how, does I, that, how do they compare it to the Knicks? Like, are they still in Brooklyn? They're completely the- off Broadway. Yeah. You know, like, like <laughs> I, I said this and I mean this. You think back and I'm drawing a blank. I'm getting old. I'm drawing a blank. It was like 2006, seven, whatever it was. Uh, the teams of Jason Kidd, Vince Carter, Richard Jefferson, uh, Kenyon Martin, those guys, the teams that went to two NBA finals with the Nets at the dumpy Meadowlands in New Jersey, uh, they had a hard time selling out their playoff games. Holy smokes. Um, if you, if that team was wearing Nick uniforms and playing in Madison Square Garden, they would be a national sensation right. in the United States. Right. They would have books written about them. They would have. They would be lifetime heroes, just like 
Wolf Frazier and Earl Monroe and Willis Reed and Dave DeBusher and Bill Bradley and Jerry Lucas and right. Phil Jackson and all those guys. When I was growing up watching the Knicks play in the late 60s, early 70s, those guys to this day can walk into a bar or walk into a restaurant and someone's buying them a drink. Right. You know, so um, or even dinner if they're lucky. But yeah. <laughs> my point is the Nets played in oblivion. So I, I still think the Nets, even though it's Brooklyn and it's hip, uh, they haven't, it, you know, and they went for it with Pierce and Garnett and Joe Johnson and those guys. Uh, they haven't truly captivated. And and this would be it would have been a great time because the Knicks have been awful. Yeah. Right. But they've just never turned the corner yet. So, but those would be some of the markets. I mean, I you know obviously cities. I love being in Chicago and Boston and New York, San Francisco, L.A. Danny uh, G. Portland. mentioned uh, Pippins. Pippins. As a, Pippins in Chicago. It's yeah. a great place because it's open till four a.m. So you can go in there and beautiful. Uh, you get in on a late night flight and you could drop in and have maybe a beverage or two to, before you go to bed or. You know, talk things over and get ready for the next game, but uh, or post game beverage. Um, but that's a yeah, that's a really cool place. And you know, it's interesting when you travel a lot. You have I'm a runner, so every city I go to, I you know I have my outdoor running path that I have, and uh, you know I, I have a, you know restaurants and bars I like to go to and all that. And you kind of have your own little routine that you do yeah. when you're in every city or people you might meet or. So it's a it's a fun life, um, you know. So it, I, again, I've been very blessed. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, and in terms of arenas, is there like we were talking about this with Danny G as well? Uh, it always it's almost kind of like humorous to us, but not in like not laughing at, laughing with. But the arenas that are set up, like I believe it's Washington, Washington. where you guys are so far removed from the floor it, i mean what Jack, we we, we want to know which the what, what are the bad arenas is what we well i mean from a broadcast perspective there's there's a few of them that have that washington and uh charlotte uh i'm drawing a blank there's one other philadelphia from a right, television yeah, right, from a right. television perspective and um i'm not a fan of it <laughs> it's gonna be weird <laughs> yeah. because here's the thing and I do, you know, I do the games on TSN TV, but I also do the games on TSN radio when it's a non-TSN TV night. So in, in a majority of the arenas now, they're sticking the radio uh, broadcast crew upstairs. Oh, wow. And it's really difficult to get a feel for the game. The difference is, though, when you're driving in your car or you're in your garage or wherever and you listen to the game on the radio... You can't see it either. Right. So so I'm watching it, and you're listening to me, but you can't see it. But if I'm doing the game on television, and you can see it, and you have a better view of it than me, then as a broadcaster, we're the ones that get slammed. Right. Because we don't have as much of a feel for it sometimes as you might. Right. So in my opinion, I think our networks... I think our rights holders in the 30 markets, I'm not talking uh, Turner or ABC slash ESPN. I'm talking uh, I'm talking our 30 local broadcast rights holders on a television basis and even radio. Yeah, uh, I, I think that, you know, you're paying a fee to a team. Uh, I think it's important that 
I, I think sometimes teams are so caught up in selling those seats. And I get that because they already got your money in hand. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they take you for granted. I think the difference is uh, I think it's hurting the product. And how are people viewing uh, the game? I right. think an overwhelming majority of viewing it viewed based upon television. Yeah. And less people are in the arena than the ones that are watching on TV. I think we got to make sure we're making the viewing experience on television as good as possible. Yeah. yeah uh, I think you owe it to your, you know, your partners rather than take their money. And then say, oh, by the way, we're also going to kick you upstairs, and then we're going to put people in the seats. That, and that's what's happened in Washington and Charlotte and Philadelphia. And I think it really hurts. Uh, in my opinion, it hurts. But I, you know, I, I don't know what's going to happen. I feel bad. I just feel like I think the rights holders need to be more aggressive and assertive and say we're not putting up with this BS, yeah. Uh, because I think it impacts the the, the, the telecast, Absolutely. which is an overwhelming majority of the way people view the game. Yeah, absolutely. Now, first of all, before we ask this question, was it you that came out with Double D for the nickname for DeRozan? Uh, yeah, I thought so. Yeah, I've okay. been calling. Yeah, I've been, been calling DeMar yeah. Double D for, yeah. for, for uh, his, since his rookie year. So now that he's added a three-point wrinkle to his game, there's a couple nicknames we were throwing back and <laughs> forth that we wanted, but just to get your opinion by just more curiosity than anything. So for when DeRozan hits a three, the two options, we have the Double D three, which I thought was good, and this man hated. Double didn't D like, three? Didn't okay, like I like D3. that. Yeah, it's but, like Dunkin' Donuts or right. something like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot of people did not like it. So D-squared. Yeah. D-squared, that might be better, yeah. actually. Um, or three-ball, because some people call him D-ball. D-ball, yeah, yeah, yeah. Three-ball. Yeah. I like that. That's okay. You know, it's interesting you say that. I don't think about that stuff. Like, I honestly don't. Uh, when I'm in a game, like, you know, like, it just, it just blurts out. Yeah. Whatever I see and yeah. feel, I say. Now, you know, when I say hello and get that garbage out of here, uh, those have kind of just, when I first said them, it was just kind of like a reaction. Yeah. And now it's taken on a life of its own. So now every game, if there's a great pass or something, uh, I, you know, I say hello. I used to do it when they used to show the dance pack on TV yeah, all the time. I remember that for I used sure, to go, yeah. hello. Yeah. But uh, we're now in the age of political correctness, yeah. so right. yeah. that's gone the wayside. But uh, And the um, and the get the garbage out of here obviously evolved from playing ball in the schoolyards of Brooklyn, and someone would block your shot and say, get that blank out of here. Yeah. So... I was doing a game, and I was about to say, get that <laughs> blank. And I said, I can't say that word right. on TV. And I just came up with garbage. That's and, great. And it just evolved. But in terms of, like, do I go into a game and say, hey, I'm going to call, <laughs> uh, you know, uh, Kevin Love this or, uh, you know, uh, you know, just anybody, uh, you know, Paul Millsap, whatever. Right. I don't. I don't go into any games really contrived with anything. Um, I just react instinctively with my emotion and my feel for the game and go from there. That's awesome. I think a lot of it has to to do with, uh, and this also, we talked about this the last time we spoke, but a lot of it is a social media thing. 
you know? So it's like, because we like to, when we're watching the game, follow along on Twitter with different fans and that. And it is a lot of like, those, those are kind of where those taglines or whatever come in handy, right? Because everyone's sort of getting pumped. But you're still not on social media, correct? I'm not. I am. Um, you're still holding out. I wouldn't say I'm holding out. Um, I, I guess I, I guess I reach. I I, I I feel overwhelmed now. Yeah. Like with uh, text messages and emails, uh, you can't get away. Um, I like uh, 45 minutes a day to run and listen to music. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I like to walk and have solitude. Yeah. Uh, I like to clear my head. Yeah. I don't think that's a bad thing. Either. I don't think it's a bad thing. No, and I yeah. feel like we're in a world now that's too frazzled. And I feel like I have my best thoughts when I run. Mm-hmm. I feel like I have my best thoughts in the morning when I'm just sitting reading in the paper or I'm out for a walk. It's nice and quiet. And yeah. it's quiet and you get reflective and philosophical and you think. Or late at night over a beverage. Yeah. And it's just, a, you know, if you you and a, your buddy and you or a few guys and you're hanging out and there's music in the background, you listen to Sinatra or something like that, and you kind of talk about things. Yeah. And I think our world's so busy now. And I'm not knocking social media. I think, you know, my kids are all on it. They love it. I have three boys that are all in university. And they, 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 you know, Instagram, Twitter, whatever all this nonsense is, but they're on it. Um, And that's their way to communicate. Uh, And maybe someday I'll be on it. I I just, I'm at a, um, I'm just not there yet. But you know what? I've come around a lot more to it, I would say, in the last year year to two years than I ever have. So I'm I'm not ruling out the possibility someday of being on it. Now, by the time I get on it, there'll probably be some new <laughs> thing right. that they have. But the thing I would like to be part of, and the three of us maybe could do that, if we come up with the new thing, okay. then we can make a lot of money Hell on yeah. it. Right. Like that guy Zuckerberg or whatever yeah. his name is. Zuck- what's his name? Uh, Mark, Mark Zuckerberg. Zuckerberg. Yeah, and said, what did he invent? What was the thing? He's, He's Facebook. Facebook. So yeah. he did okay for himself. So like, okay. we got to come up with that yeah. scam. Okay. Yeah. And, you know, with three of us could be partners. <laughs> so like before I get on the Instagram Twitter train, yeah. let's come up with the it's new train going, to get yeah. on. Right. And let's take people for a new ride. And, we, and then we, you know what? Then we don't have to do this stupid podcast exactly. anymore. <laughs> We're exactly. all going to be sitting on a beach with, uh, you know, drinks with an umbrella yeah. in them and, and having a lot of cocktails and yeah. enjoying our lives and not worrying about whether the Raptors win or lose. <laughs> couldn't, couldn't Actually, we more. could end up owning the team. Yeah, yeah that would be nice. nice. Absolutely. Sounds <laughs> good right. to me. But while to that, we were just talking about your, you know, the hello and that. You've got the clothing line now. I'm overdue, Jack. Overdue. That's thank you, Nick. I appreciate it. Yeah, hellojack.ca. Let me repeat that. Hellojack.ca. Shameless plug. No. But no, know. we got the toques going. We got the baseball caps and some T-shirts. So it's fun. And I tell you what, they've been very popular. So I hope it continues. And anyone out there who's listening, if you don't have one yet, go right Pick ahead and get one. one. We really appreciate it. And we kept the prices. If you compare the prices to a lot of other stuff, We've kept the prices like really low, and yet the quality of the shirts and the hats and toques are very good. That's what we actually, the first thing we said, because someone tweeted us 
a couple months ago about them and we looked it up and we're doing it on the podcast and we're that, one of our first reactions was jack clearly priced this himself because this is way too reasonable Men correct people <laughs> like, no no i want I, I i the question i always have is would i rather people wear them or not right i'd rather them wear them so i look at our fan base and our overwhelming demographic of our fan base is young so i remember when i was young uh, I would try to, you know, rub two pennies together to get a nickel, and it <laughs> yeah. never worked out. Yeah. So I, I'm a big believer that uh, have it at a price point where it's fair to everybody, yeah. and everyone has access to Absolutely. it. So I hope it, it seems to have uh, done well, and uh, you know, I hope it continues it, with its popularity. So. Hopefully, uh, folks out there that are listening to this, uh, hopefully you take a look at hellojack.ca. And Check it out, maybe, guys. Maybe grab yourself one. You're listening to Talking Raptors on Raptors Republic. Talking Raptors on Raptors Republic. Another basketball question. This goes back to what we were talking about earlier with it being like a really team-focused organization right now. Just leading up to the All-Star break, Jonas Valanciunas seemed to really be hitting his stride, really playing well, dominant in the middle. And I've always just, as someone who's a fan, we're both just, we're just average guys watching basketball, just love basketball. But it always came up when he would not be playing in the fourth or or against certain teams is that, well, these teams are playing small ball, so he can't play. But then I would always wonder, why can't the Raptors dictate how they're going to play and not worry about the other teams and I, I think of late, they've gotten a lot better of trusting him. But trust is a two-way street, and he, you got to earn it, too. And I think when you're coaching, and I've had this experience, and I'm not saying it this existed, but you have to have some. There has to be creative tension, and sometimes there's got to be out-and-out out creative, ten- creative conflict. You have to say to a guy, I'm sorry. But that's unacceptable. That's not good enough. And if you can't do A, B, and C, you know what? You're not playing. Well, I want to play. Well, too bad you want to play. The other guys want to play, too. My job's to win and do yeah. what's right for the team, the greater good. So if you can't do these things for me in the fourth quarter, then I can't play you. Right. So you have a choice. You can pout and be a baby and ask to be traded and become a malcontent. And to Jonas Valanciunas' credit, he didn't do any of those things. You know what he did? He's a pro. He's a team guy. He works. He's continued to improve. And he's earned the trust of his coaching staff to have an opportunity to play sometimes. Not all the time, but sometimes in situations in that regard. And I think as a coach, we have to, you know, the great Bill Walsh at the San Francisco 49ers used to say, you must set a standard of performance and not deviate. This is our bar. This is what our expectation is. I believe you need to reach this. And if you don't, I'm going to find someone else that can. can do that, yeah. And sometimes that's cold, callous, cold-blooded, tough, vicious, whatever way you want to put it. But this is competitive sports. And, you know, we're not – this is not ballroom dancing here. And – you either got to get with it or get out. And uh, 
So not only him, but I, I just think in general with your players, whether you be Dwayne Casey or any of the other 29 coaches in the NBA, or if you're coaching an NHL team or an NFL team or a soccer team, whatever it is, you gotta you gotta set the tone, and you gotta demand. You know, you only get when I when I started coaching a, a guy, Paul Lizzo, former head coach at Long Island University. We're on the road recruiting. He says, Jack, congratulations. He goes, I'm going to give you two bits of advice. I said, go ahead, Paul. He says, two things. Number one, you've got the first guess. Everybody else has the second guess. He goes, so make sure you guess right. (laughs) And he goes, the second one is you only get what you demand. Right. So I think the Raptors, a reason why they've been successful and why guys have grown is that Dwayne Casey's demanded a lot of these guys to grow and improve. I think Masai Ujiri and his staff have demanded a lot of the coaching staff to evolve and grow and improve these guys. And I think when you have creative tension and creative conflict, things happen. It's like uh, the thing that drives me mad in life is passive-aggressive behavior. Right. No, I'd rather sit down with you, have a beer, and you could tell me to blank you, yeah. and I could tell you blank you, and then you tell me your beef with me, I tell you my beef with you, and you know by the end of it we're hugging. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> nice. It's worked and out. I think that's the world we need to live in more. Yeah. Rather in than general. this passive aggressive nonsense Agreed, where yeah. people cryptically say things and. They don't ever really directly. And I think looking at the Raptors, I think they've done a good job of spelling out people's roles and expectations and kind of what we want from you, what we expect from you. And I think the better organizations in sports and the better organizations in business and in everything uh, function that way. I don't know where I I don't even know what the question was anymore, but no, I hope those, I I hope perfect, I made yeah. sense. Yeah, I was no, rambling absolutely. now. Yeah, no, no, absolutely. It was I'm uh, an ex coach. We BS a lot. <laughs> <laughs> well on the on the topic of coaching, Dwayne Casey obviously has sort of emerged this year as a very legitimate NBA coach, uh, to any of his I guess doubters, myself included. He's kinda really erased those doubts this year. Um, do you see him as a legit candidate for coach of the year in the NBA? Oh, yeah, definitely. I would yeah. think that if I had to look right now, I would uh, I would put Dwayne Casey, Mike D'Antoni, Nate McMillan. Uh, oof. Those would be three guys that really jump out at me. Uh, Brad Stevens. They, they've kind of faded a little bit. Yeah. Uh, but those would be some guys that, to me – have uh you know i look at michael malone in denver you know they've had they've been without paul Millsap for a while uh they're still figuring things out but they've they've been good and um i think doc rivers in la with the clippers uh alvin gentry in new orleans with the pelicans yeah those would be some guys that jump out to me i'm not a guy that ever and, and again people say well I never had a great team. I had some good teams, but I never had a great team. I'm I'm a grinder, and I'm I'm a big fan of 
when a coach has solid talent and he can get him a little bit beyond that marker, um, I, I like voting for those guys yeah. rather than and, – and this is no knock on Phil Jackson. I mean, Phil Jackson's a great coach, and he was great for our game and very uh, in, in imaginative and a tremendous – I just think when you have that kind of talent around you with the Lakers and Bulls, and he did a phenomenal job, I just I, 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 I lean more towards the guys that get the most out of their guys. And, I, you know, it's interesting you brought up the point I had made on the air a while back is that the Raptors need to kind of be a lot like that Detroit Pistons team. What was it, 04? Yeah. Uh, well, Larry Brown, to me, was a phenomenal pro coach. And to me, I think Dwayne Casey's grown into oh, an outstanding pro coach. And I think if you're Dwayne, you got to be a lot of what Larry Brown was to the Pistons. Now, Larry was a lot more nitpicky and uh, truly all over guys and, and personal sometimes. And he could be a tough guy to play for. But Larry Brown was a great coach. And I think his team represented playing the right way and the team way. And I think this Raptor team plays that way. So one of the narratives, Jack, around this team is that, yeah, we're a good regular season team, and then we get to the playoffs and we choke. How much pressure is on Kyle Lowry and DeMar DeRozan specifically to... Oh, I don't know about choke. Choke is, choke is when, you, when you lose to someone you're not as good as. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I think they've lost to Cleveland the last two years because Cleveland was a lot better than them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah uh, now, yeah. <laughs> should they have lost in such convincing fashion? No. Uh, so, but the eventuality still existed that there was a favorite and there was an underdog and what was going to happen was going to happen. Mm-hmm. It just happened in a much uglier way. Uh, but I get where you're coming from, and I respect that. Uh, I don't think when they lost their first year to the Nets, the Nets had you know a few Hall play, Fame players on yeah. that. Pierce still had a lot left. KG not as much, but he still had enough. And Joe Johnson was still in his prime. Um, you know, the next year when they lost to Washington, uh, and they'd beaten them all those times. That to me was. That was big. But to get to the East Finals and lose to Cleveland in the third year in Game 6, I thought they got about as much as they could out of that team. They weren't going to beat them. No. Even when they lost, if they lost by 5 instead of 25, I get that. And then last year, um, that was a really tough matchup against Milwaukee. But, by the way, they did win that series. And, you know, the way they lost to Cleveland was unacceptable. And I think that's why... The changes took place, yet they weren't dramatic changes. They were, and when people talk about a culture reset, I think it's more a style reset. Uh, I'm I'm sure some cultural things have changed, but I think as much that has changed culturally, uh, a lot has changed stylistically in terms of philosophical approach. Um, But... It's funny you say that. You, you mentioned that. I was in uh, Florida. I flew in here late last night. I was away for a few days. I was in L.A. for All-Star Weekend. Then I was in Florida for a few days just to get a few days off before we start again tonight. 
and I get in an Uber yesterday, and the you know in Florida you only have to have a license plate on the back of your car. You don't have to have right. one on the front. And the guy picking me up had a Miami Heat uh, license plate. So I get in the car, and I bust his chops about being a Miami Heat fan. He goes, well, who do you root for? I said, Toronto. Why Toronto? And the minute, the first thing he said, he goes, well, those guys choke in the playoffs. <laughs> I said, well, I said, I just want to educate you. By the way, uh, two years ago in the uh, playoffs, the Raptors beat the uh, Heat in the semifinals in Absolutely. Game 7. So I, I just want to educate yeah. you. Yeah. <laughs> so he laughed. And then he figured out what I did for the Raptors, and we had a lot of fun. But I guess my point is, your question is, has some validity to it. And uh, we all know that there's a, uh, that's a different proving ground altogether, not just for the Raptors, but the other 15 teams yeah. that are in the playoffs. I get that. At the same time, uh, there are habits being formed right now. Uh, that you got to continue to form. Right. 57 down, 25 to go, but who's counting? But you got to form those habits right now. And the, the stronger those habits are and the better you become as a team to be that 2004 P- Pistons, I don't care who you play in the East. If you form a rock-solid foundation of great winning habits yeah. – that will carry you through any series. Amazing. Jack, thank you so much for taking the time once again to chat with us. It's been great having you. And, and whenever we call upon you, you're always very nice. And you don't have to be. And you're just a great dude. And we're, we're big we fans. It, so Jack. thank you very much. Thank you well, so Barry, much. Barry, thank you so much. Nick, thank you so much. And, uh, again, it's an honor and privilege to be on with you. And uh, it's an honor and privilege to work here in Toronto and be part of, of kind of trying to help grow the game as best as we can and to see where the sports come I mean I've been here 20 years and prior to that uh, I was a college basketball coach I was for 10 years at Niagara University which is a obviously our school looks at at Canada yeah separated by the Niagara River uh, and and I had a number of Canadians that played for me and I had a number of other Canadian players that I recruited over the years so so in the last 30 years i've had an intimate look at how things have shifted and i get a kick out of it you know when i meet our younger nba players they all say to me hey well i grew up you know watching you on or or our young fans but it makes me feel real old and i'm not that old (laughs) but uh but it's really cool and and i'll just close with this the best is yet to come you know like I look at where basketball is going in Canada and the potentials there. Now, I look at Canada basketball. They have underachieved. It's time now yeah. to get to qualify for an Olympics. Yeah. It's time now to medal in an Olympics. You know, I talk about being a uh, joking about being an ugly American. Uh, but I think we got to start ch- stick like we do in hockey. We stick our chest out in hockey. Oh, yeah. That's true. It's time you know, we have the second most NBA players in the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We should be, other than the United States, in the medal discussion all the time. World championships, Olympics, we should start sticking our chest out and start acting like we belong and demand that same level of performance that we would demand of our, of our hockey teams. And uh, to me, I hope that happens.
And I think it's going to happen. Yeah. And I think the best is yet to come. I think this is a, it's, it's a sport that's growing. And in an era with concussion concerns, right. if your kid plays football, if your kid plays hockey, and to a lesser extent maybe a little bit with soccer, and my kids all played, they didn't play football, but they played hockey and soccer and basketball. I think today's young parents are maybe shying away a little bit more from those sports and throwing their kid in the gym and saying, play, uh, because it's a cheaper sport and it's a safer sport. And on top of that, I think it reflects the the cultural mosaic that is not only Toronto, but the GTA and not only the Toronto and the GTA, but the entire country of Canada, Mm -hmm. which is a wonderful, welcoming country to people from all over the world. And I think a lot of people come from all different places to the world. They don't come here as hockey or football yeah. fans to North America. They come as soccer fans and basketball fans. Right. Yeah. So to me, I think we're in the great growth industry. And if you look at the fastest two growth sports in Canada, it's soccer and basketball. Yeah. So I feel very fortunate to be part of that and an ambassador of that. And I hope uh, and pray that I continue to do it as long as I can. And... Uh, I think the best is yet to come, so I'm happy to be part of it. That's great. Thank you so much, Jack. Really appreciate it, and enjoy the second half of the season. Barry, Nick, my pleasure, and all the best, and uh, let's hope uh, we're talking about a long playoff run and a parade. That'd be pretty cool. Good. All right. Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G. Because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from RootMetric's second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement.